Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Recreate the Future podcast. Um, we are still in season one. Uh, today I have Fechter with me, and today we're going to look very deeply into the topics of mass customization and design automation. So those might have been topics um, most of you probably haven't been in touch with. So I'm super happy today, Fechter, to have you um, on board and uh, give us a bit, in, a bit of insight into this really crazy field of um, design. I'm really curious. So thanks for coming. And maybe first of all, you just want to briefly, briefly introduce yourself and uh, Trinkle as well. Yes, thank you very much for, for having me. Um, it's uh, really an honor to be uh, on the podcast and uh, the, the previous um, uh, people you interviewed were very interesting as well. Uh, actually, I was uh, I was following Alice uh, uh, as well a little bit. Oh, okay, um, nice. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely very far in many of those topics, and I think mass customization must be might be relevant for him as well. So it might good. be, it might be, yeah. But uh, I, I'm just uh, as a private person, a, a fan, big fan of what he, what he does. So uh, that was uh, nice to hear him talk. Yes, so a little bit about me. Um, I am Vechter, Vechter van Sloten. I grew up in the Netherlands, studied industrial design there. Uh, and then I moved uh, to Berlin. Um, I worked a couple of years in a, a co-working space with a, with a, a workshop there. Uh, there I, um, when I studied industrial design, the 3D printing wasn't really a thing yet. Um, but it started right after I finished my studies uh, and I got into 3D printing at the co-working space a little bit. Um, I was giving some uh, classes in uh, design for 3D printing there, some, some workshops. Uh, and this is how I rolled into the 3D printing community. And um, then I started working uh, at Trinkle uh, now six years, six years ago where I first um, managed the 3D printing service that we had hmm. um, that was sold a couple of uh, years ago. And uh, now I am focusing on uh, our, our software sites. And mainly uh, I am focusing on finding people that uh, want to try out our, our software as a third party, because we've been using it ourselves as a as a, a service. Yeah. Um, but Maybe yeah. before we jump into the software, um, mm -hmm. it's perfect that we have uh, someone with your background here because I, I think the best part is about understanding why design for additive manufacturing is so different than for other technologies like injection molding. Yeah, um, that is uh, indeed. I think the main main uh, reason for that is uh, because the traditional way of um, of designing is uh, in for for mass uh, mass production, and so you can um, the costs of a designer you can spread over many many uh, um, produced parts to basically where it's neglectable the the um, cost of the designer. And uh, this has been completely turned around in, in uh, low volume or uh, unique uh, parts where, where this, is, uh, this is getting uh, problematic and this is a real bottleneck, I think, for, the, uh, for additive manufacturing. 
Yeah, this is really interesting because up to now, we also during the podcast, this has never been a topic, but uh, I mean, it makes sense uh, due to the fact that everybody says 3D printing is so great because you are able to have very low volumes. You don't have uh, any uh, tooling cost, so it's very efficient um, with a low number of items, but uh, same for me, you never think about the design costs associated there. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's it's super nice that uh, now it's accessible to much uh, more people and people are getting into design themselves and uh, try a little bit out and that's that's all fine. But in a, in a, a commercial setting, in a uh, business setting, this this is a problem. Yeah. Um, so, so you're right. So on the one side, within additive manufacturing, we have the benefit uh, that the production cost itself, uh, due to the lack of tooling, is, is way lower with low volumes. But at the same side, you can't divide the design cost through uh, mass production. All right. Um, Okay, so this is like the, the, the worst shift over to a new topic ever, but what could be a solution over there? <laughs> yeah, so what we are trying to do yeah. is uh, mass customization and uh, design automation, um, where uh, we um, do the, the, the boring, tedious parts, we automate uh, in the design process, uh, so to enable designers to uh, either um, well, either have the, have the customers of the uh, company design their own parts or have the designers at the companies um, make uh, uh, time for, for the, the important uh, designing parts and not the um, little design tweaks that they, they may have to do. Okay, so, so how can we... we... Imagine that. So, I mean, like the traditional um, designing is even for additive manufacturing is, is quite similar with a with a CAD software. Um, how does it work um, in 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 your approach? Yeah. So, um, our uh, uh, own made CAD software that that we that we have, TRCAD, is a script based um, uh, software. Um, and some of uh, the people in the 3D printing space may know uh, OpenSCAT. It's not too, it is uh, different from OpenSCAT, but it's not too, uh, too different. So it's a script based approach. And in this way, um, parametric, parametric uh, design is uh, much, much more uh, potent, I would say. Okay. But you know, I'm not from the design space. I mm -hmm. just saw the product uh, based on your hackathon you did, which was really yeah. cool. Um, so as a user, or, uh, from my perspective, um, from the outside, there are two steps. First of all, I, there's a step of the script-based version, where, which, I have to, which I have to code um, basically my application. And at the end of the day, I have a... Um, full uh, I, have, I have a very safe environment for novice users as well where i can just um with a graphical user interface explain what i want and the software in the background creates the design correct 
exactly. So that that would be the the second phase. So first you need the the, uh, the scripted CAD or the the product that you want to uh, that, that you want to sell or that you uh, want to buy. Um, that needs to be ready. And but what we do is we open the param parameters that uh, the customer can uh, customize themselves in a simple uh, user interface um, that can that is uh, web based. So you can uh, in your browser go to the, to go to a website and uh, customize the product that you want to have to your needs. So uh, it's kind of like a design generator maybe yeah you could you yeah. could say uh, it's a design generator yeah yeah that's uh, um what uh, automated design is yeah so um yeah uh, customers can customize their own uh products press uh, either download or uh, buy in whatever case uh, it is. So on one side, we have the TI CAT, the, the, our CAT software, and then we have the API parameter that makes it available uh, on a web page. Okay. On a web page or on your phone or anything with a screen. Um, so basically, this enables me as a novice or basically uneducated user in that space to basically generate my own design without the need for the scripting or coding and on the other side without the need to use any CAD software because it's just like a graphical user interface and I can just say what kind of settings I need and you guys probably will then, based on the software, generate the design, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly like that. Okay, cool. Because the problem is whenever I try to explain it to people, um, also here in our company, I always had problems um, with really getting a grasp of it. But I think um, I now have to call it a design generator because this is what, uh, what most people will, will easily easily understand. Um, okay, I think the best, the, the best part, because to my mind, it's a really powerful concept and a really powerful software. Um, maybe the best thing is to jump into some use cases. Yeah. Um, so, so the one I saw was was a rather like like a medical um, application or use case. Maybe you can give us an overview of what is possible in the space of uh, design optimization. Yeah. So um, one uh, use case that we have is orthopedics. Um, an example I'd like to give is a project we did with uh, Protic, where um, actually. Uh, 3D printing is not always uh, the end product. In this case, it isn't. Um, uh, but uh, the 3D printed 3D printed part is the tool that is used by the shoemaker to make uh, custom uh, shoes for clients uh, that have a need for special shoes. So, so like so, orthopedic shoes. Orthopedic shoes, okay. indeed. Yeah. So. Um, Previous, uh, um, what, what we can do is we take the scan of uh, the 3D scan of a customer and it automatically uh, morphs to this scan. Um, and with the push of a button, basically, the, um, the tool is made. The um, orthopedic technician can still um, do the, the tweaks that he needs to do, uh, but we enable him to uh, skip the tedious parts uh, where uh, 
the repeti repetitive tasks that he, that he needs to do in this case. And the benefit at the end of the day for, because the client or like the user of it is um, the people at the orthopedic shoemaker, right? Uh, yes, in this case, yes, that uh, uh, is an internal app that the orthopedic technician can use. Nice, and and now now I get what you mean with these with the design cost because probably in that case it would have would take much much longer to do, to do the design manually, yeah, um, than to do it automatically with your software. And so, and in this case, it also means the input variables are not like based on a graphic user interface. And parameters, but also the 3D scan data. Exactly. Well, we, we call that the open parameter as well. But yes, indeed, you can uh, you can upload an, uh, a mesh file. Um, in this case, the the, the foot of the customer um, at the scan, and it uh, automatically uh, makes the design for you. Okay. Crazy because, uh, of course, if you think about like the decrease in design cost, cost for that is uh, significant, especially because I would assume that, um, yeah, that it would be very difficult, especially today, to find people who are in that space and who would also be capable of the design aspect in, uh, in that. And at the end of the day, the benefit for the patient is that they will get a more, like, better quality or better fitted product because it's more customized towards their foot um yes yes of course yeah so um that depends a little bit on the quality of the 3d scan i guess but um that's um that is a, i have to say that's a part that's uh, outside of our what we do uh for software so we we only take the 3d scan yeah. uh, as good as it is uh and then it goes into our software just as a, as a, as a side question, um, mm -hmm. about the 3d scanning, I know this is not like, uh, your focus, but, um, we have been looking into that, I think like two years ago or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then it was, uh, there were still those very pricey, um, products. And at the same time, first, the first people started with like, uh, handheld scanners yeah. and some, some people even with their phones, mm -hmm. um, how far is the industry in that part already? Um, yeah, so I'm not an expert on that, uh, but I do see that uh, the quality of 3D scans in the last five years have uh, have been a lot better. Um, and maybe, I'm not sure if it is in part uh, of uh, phones being so capable now, uh, nowadays, but um, there's a lot happening in that uh, in that industry indeed. Okay, really, really interesting. I, I still have to, uh, I have a to do somewhere really down in my uh, to do list that I still need to look. I think uh, in our company, there's also something <laughs> on our to do list, like see what the 3D scanning is uh, doing. Uh, yeah, so um, it's very interesting indeed. Okay, 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 cool. So I think that's a really nice, uh, like a very hands on example on how to use design automation and this this is really like mass customization because it's customized to the foot um i think maybe to get a bigger picture uh, or like a more detailed picture um the other example i saw and I, I thought was really interesting was the robotic arm uh case from the rather industrial side maybe you can give us an some kind of 
introduction about how this technology can also not be on the patient level, but also like on an industrial level inside inside a production. Yeah, yeah. So from a, a technical side, uh, it is actually not that uh, that different. Um, uh, but uh, the case that we did a couple of years ago with Schmalz uh, is a robotic uh, gripper, and what we did there is um, to in, in in production to quickly uh, change out um, uh, the robotic uh, arm or what he has to grip. Um, what we do is we take the mesh of the, the so the 3D either scan or the, the 3D design that uh, that may be available. Um, we take this and automatically generate a gripper uh, that can grip uh, the part that you want it to grip. So you add um, uh, the um, the mass, I believe, and uh, it's. Almost, you, you push um, uh, some places on the on the mesh file, and it automatically generates this uh, this gripper. And that um, uh, for Schmalz, uh, um, the design time was reduced by I believe ninety percent or so. So they were really happy uh, about about that. So I think I, saw, I will put the link to the case study into the description because then you get a visual image of it. Because yeah. as far as I saw it, it's like a big arm, which yeah. has a couple of fingers. I, I, I will now call it fingers. And yeah. on those fingers, um, there are small accessories. And this is the gripper, which is then customized to the product it shall grip, right? Yeah, so in this case, it's uh, suction cups. So it's a suction cup that uh, grabs around uh, the object that it needs to grab. Um, and these suction cups, uh, uh, in this case, the gripper that is attached to the robot arm is automatically generated with the, uh, the channels for the vacuum uh, already inside. So that's a, a 3D printed um, inside. And that's uh, also one of the main benefits um, that they have, that they don't have to have the uh, uh, tubes outside of the, uh, of the gripper, but it's uh, integrated in the 3D print. Okay. Um, crazy. So if, if, if now like somebody's listening and um, people have this approach of um, mass customization, because I mean, like mass customization can also be about because we have been discussing about use cases can also be of integrating names and numbers and basic things also into into standardized designs um so how does it work if i want if i want to include your software into my process or if i want to build a product based on that which customers can use via user interface so uh right now you would uh, contact us and um, we'll have a couple of developers developing um, your product for you and then uh, place it on your website and uh, then your customers can um, use it if that's the, the thing that you want. Um, and um, what we are uh, testing right now is giving third parties access to our uh, uh, CAD software um, and that's what I'm um, mainly focusing on right now, um, 
because the way we have been doing this is uh, scalable to a certain amount, but uh, not scalable in a way that we would like to be uh, scaling. So we want to have uh, other people have access to our uh, CAD system as well yeah. as um, the front end then. So they can build, do the development um, themselves. Okay. Um, just out of curiosity, um, uh, very often I have a look on, on Etsy and I see a lot of um, met metal parts in the accessory area or like in... Um, um, and like in the fashion area where people are buying mm -hmm. some chains or, or anything. And mm -hmm. I'm quite sure that the majority of this is being printed. And a lot of them are also, meanwhile, mm -hmm. offering customization. Is this also something in the very consumer consumer part? Um, because as, especially on Etsy, I see a lot of customization um, that people do, which is also like a, like a possible application of, of your software. Um, yes, so we've been we've been doing that uh, in the past uh, as well. We've we've made um, some uh, some hangers for uh, necklaces. Um, uh, we've moved away a little bit uh, from from uh, business to consumer um, products um, because of other reasons. But in, in principle, it's uh, actually very possible and very simple to do. It's it's a uh, it's um, the low-hanging fruits, I would say. Yeah. But we, we wanted to move on from that. But it is still very, very viable, very possible. And yeah, I, I think know. if you have this Etsy shop and you have, want to have something customizable like a necklace, that is super easy to do in our software, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think um, very often I look into that and uh, if you see that people just render the images of those you are, you, and you see how they designed the item, you can easily see that it's, it will be 3D printed in a metal, metal. Uh, yeah. And for us, that uh, doesn't approach. matter what, what kind of, uh, what kind of 3D printing uh, technique you're yeah. going to use. Um, what we put, put out is a mesh file that can be 3D printed in whatever way you want to 3D print it. Okay. Um, all right. I think we, we, that was already really great that we, that we understood um, how a normal design process looks like, how it shifts conceptually completely in, in, in your approach, what the, what the use cases can be. Um, let's, let's have a look into the future. Um, I mean, when we, because, for example, when I'm building a website, meanwhile, I always use any kind of no-code platform. Basically, everything we do is just with some kind of generator. Um, you basically don't have to code for a lot of stuff that, that's currently um, being produced. We see a lot of AI tools popping up everywhere where you already even move away from that. And, that, and basically, we see that there's a big shift in how things are generated and how things are done. So, and I mean, Trinkle and, and, and like your software is like the same because for the end user, they don't have to design themselves, but um, you basically give them the, the opportunity to also generate it uh, based on certain inputs. Um, how do you see that development on the one hand in the design space? Um, but also from from your uh, from the 
point of your of of, um, of I mean of your software. Yeah. So uh, the last couple of weeks, months have been really exciting in uh, in uh, uh, AI, um, and I think a lot of uh, companies are uh, waking up and seeing. Oh, we have to do something with that. Um, and for us, it's also uh, really exciting. There's not a team meeting that goes by when we are not talking about uh, AI. Uh, and, and we've been um, doing some tests with, uh, with it as well. Um, and I think it's really exciting to see, especially because we have a scripted cut software um, and uh, the AI we see now is uh, language-based. It is actually quite uh, capable of uh, understanding our cut software and, and generating some um, some designs there. Um, we're not quite there yet. It is making still uh, quite some mistakes, but it's um, it's very um, there's a lot of uh, potential there. So we we are doing some uh, little tests behind the scenes. Um, uh, I can't uh, say too much about it yet, um, but um, it looks very promising indeed. Okay, but, but like a prompt input would just be a different version of the current parameter input, right? Um, I could imagine that uh, would work in the future. Right now, uh, it's not working like that. So... Um, Right now, we are you mainly losing it in our uh, CAD part, our cut part um, uh, of our software, and not so much in the in the uh, user interface uh, part, parameter. Um, but I don't actually see why that um, why that needs to be. I mean, it could very well be. Um, and uh, a parameter as well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's it is. It, we're not quite there yet. That it's not um, as foolproof as it should be. Uh, if you want to have um, your customers um, be able to, to not saying that your your customers are fools, but <laughs> it needs to be foolproof foolproof to to yeah. put out in the production. No, 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 absolutely, and. Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to whether it's a prompt or whether um, you, are, you are just working with some settings and parameters at the end of the day, the degree of automation is also increasing then in the design space because uh, people like me are not sitting there anymore with a, with a CAD software. But uh, if I want to have a certain part and uh, maybe the manufacturer is offering me that customization uh, opportunity even for, for doing it myself, um, I mean, that's a huge form of automation that wouldn't have been possible previously, right? Um, I mean, we, we've done a, uh, our best to make it possible uh, for our customers, um, but I think uh, AI is accelerating that uh, uh, to a degree that we haven't seen before indeed, yeah. Okay. Um... Like then we also covered the the super uh, buzzword AI as well. Um, that's great. N no, no topic today without that. Um, so let's get to the to the final question, which I always think is like super interesting to to, to see uh, from people who are really into a certain a certain technology niche. Um, and 
so what from your perspective is like the, the development or trend currently, except for AI, people, uh, because it's not underestimated, but are people currently underestimating that you see that all of us currently don't see? Yeah, so what I think is that AI is uh, um, is getting there, but still something for uh, for the near future. But what we are doing right now, um, and what uh, what is really exciting, is uh, jigs and fixtures in uh, and other production aids. Um, and why this is very exciting is that uh, because many producing companies, production companies. Um, are nowadays familiar with 3D printing. They use it for their prototyping uh, and they're kind of looking to the, uh, how to do the next step in uh, additive manufacturing. Um, but making that step to actually production uh, uh, ready products is often a too big a step to take. Um, so um, the secret low-hanging fruit that we uh, have identified is uh, is the jigs and fixtures, so um, uh, and other production aids for uh, producing companies. So, um, for example, uh, a case we did for Ford is where um, we have um, uh, a production aid to add the logo on uh, the, the trunk of the car uh, exactly on the same spot uh, uh, every time. Uh, so this is a, a jig that you put on the on, on the trunk and then you can place the, the logo exactly where you want to. And this is, um, it's not too um, difficult, to, difficult to understand the design, but it's actually quite a tedious task for a designer to do. So what we want to uh, do is uh, enable the uh, the production floor to make their own jigs and fixtures to uh, be able to do um, production aids. Okay. Um, so also something that goes deeply into the productivity and time and cost saving part. Exactly. So um, yeah, the, the designers uh, uh, are highly skilled. Uh, um, uh, workers and they often don't have the time to do yeah. these these kind of things for production um so uh what we uh want to do is make it uh, a simple and nice uh, interface where anybody can make this uh, jig with minimal uh, knowledge of cut design nice um all right i think this is also something i haven't haven't heard before uh, and didn't dive too deep into so so thanks for that thanks uh Fechter, for taking the time um and yeah i hope um we'll see more and more design automation as soon as possible uh so i don't have to learn any any new tools yeah that's exciting time so i i think we are um uh, doing some uh uh things with enable 3d as well so that's uh it's gonna be uh exciting to see what comes out of that perfect thanks so much bye bye Thank you. Bye-bye.